Wednesday night and a kind of a dreary one. And we got a whole bunch of dreary weather coming. And I found out today that Susie's Baptist because when we got out of the car, it was raining a little bit. Ashley knows she stepped out and got hit in the head with a drop of rain and she went, like, what is that? And I said, yeah, you're Baptist. You're not, you can't handle the rain. Um, but anyway, we do have some rain coming, but uh, I'm glad for it. And uh, I remember the wet times when we hit a dry spell. Um, I've got some beekeeping to do. And it's the time of year where if you turn your back on your bees, they'll all fly away. But if you've ever worked bees in the rain, then, well, you, you'll meet some mean bees. And uh, so I'm going to have to figure that out over the next couple weeks here. But um, I'm glad you guys are here. And uh, I want to just remind you quickly of the announcement. Tables of eight, if you've not signed up, please sign up for that. You don't have to bring any food. Um, you'll be fed. And it's just a uh, church fellowship that we're doing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, there's going to be an Easter egg fellowship on... March 23rd, that's a Saturday at 10 a.m. March 31st, we will have our sunrise service. And um, I'll let you look at the rest of them. We, VBS, we still got a little time to breathe before we get to that. Um, let me mention a few prayer requests. And I had a few from today that I'll pass on to you. Um, first, remember Ronald Hussey. This is Carolyn's son. He was here a couple weeks ago. Great big fella. He's got white blood cells in his blood so there's some kind of infection they've got him on IV antibiotics he's very sick as I understand it and I think I think they have him on IV antibiotics for hours I think he's still on it it has been for all afternoon um, he's very sick and he could use some prayer so keep Ronald in your prayers remember uh, Dixie Kearns this is Kevin Kearns mother I think many of you know Dixie she fell and they're saying um but she's just a little banged up. I don't think she's going to need surgery, but uh, she took a tumble. And uh, so keep Miss Dixie in your prayers. Uh, pray for healing there. And I spoke to uh, Frances Poe, and she mentioned a church, uh, a friend of hers that, that she attends church with, and she couldn't call her last name, but her name's Rhonda. And Rhonda has got a lot of cancer, and she had surgery today and has more treatments to come. And uh, Miss Frances has asked that we pray uh, for Rhonda, and she also mentioned another one. Let me see. Uh, I didn't write it down. Her name's Brittany. I think this is her. It's family somehow. It might be a great niece or something like that. Um, but she's sick and she's in the hospital. She told me what she had, and um, I don't remember exactly. Um, but but pray for Miss uh, Brittany. Um, and also remember, we have several that. Uh, going through some type of a cancer treatment. And uh, I'm not going to name them all off, but, but well, let me give you an update. My, my grandmother's on here, and I know many of you have been praying for Wilda Medford. She had surgery done. They uh, cut it out of her lung. She's had uh, cancer on her lung several times. And I may not have these details exactly right. Your, your lungs have lobes. One lung has three lobes and one has two and I think the, the lung, probably this one, that has, on the non-heart side, has three lobes, and two of them are gone. They've been taken with previous cancers. This was in the other lung, and they didn't have to take a lobe. They said that the cancer wasn't really connected to anything. They were just able to, I think the term I was told was melon ball it out. 
um, this is a good thing, and she has good lung function. She's still in the hospital being looked after, but they plan to send her home cancer-free tomorrow. So we praise the Lord for that, and I want to thank you all for your prayers. Remember Jackie Howe, who's going through radiation. Um, Logan Belt, the young man, um, I think he's 24, I think it was. Um, and remember Gary Mabe, Brandon Bridges' father. Um, Kenneth, as he recovers. Hawk Owens, going through treatment. Um, I believe that Harris is getting some places cut off tomorrow. And so keep, I think it's tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? So keep Harrison in prayer. He's going to be there a while because they cut and test, and hopefully that's it. But if they've got cancer on the edge, they cut again kind of thing. Remember Nicholas Smith, the young man uh, that had uh, the heart transplant? And um, Curtis is Deborah's uh, grandson. He's 11 years old. Did she mention anything about him this Okay. Well, I hope it's something they don't have to do anything for. I mean, uh, my heart don't beat quite right, but it don't bother me. And so hopefully it's something like that. Um, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm praying for anyway. Um, but pray for Curtis. He's only 11 and having to deal with this. And uh, you hate it for him and for his family. And uh, with that, I'll, uh, I've got some others on here. Joseph Dixon and um, there's one more I saw. Oh, Dockery. I hadn't. I hadn't talked to him in a couple of days, but keep Doctor in your prayers. Uh, he has breathing issues. Pray that he uh, can breathe well and he's able to do what he wants to do. And uh, there was one more that was mentioned to me today. I can't call it right now. What other prayer requests would you guys like to mention before the church? Uh, Lucy Little was the first and finally had her knee replaced today. Okay. 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 All right. Um, yeah. Is, is he talking about going down here to Gilead? Autumn care. Autumn care in Bisco. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's keep David in prayer. He's 92. He, is that right? He's on up there. and He's kind of got smaller and smaller in recent years. Um, what other prayer requests? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in the word of prayer and let's remember these. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, God, we come to you, and first we want to we give you thanks that you're our God. We thank you, Lord, that you sent Christ Jesus, and we have a common bond that binds us, and that is that we are those that we can call Christ ours, and uh, that he can call us his. And so, God, we just thank you for what Christ has done for us. We thank you, God, that our sins are forgiven by his blood, and uh, we thank you, Lord, that we serve a risen Savior. God, we just pray that you would remind us of this at all times in our lives. And uh, Lord, we have many difficulties in this life. Um, our human bodies are so frail and so weak, and we deal with so many things. 
And Lord, when we look at the world, it seems many times so corrupt and we feel powerless in all that we do. And so, God, we just pray that you would help us to remember that we serve an all-powerful, almighty God. And Lord, that you're still sitting on the throne and that you still reign and that you rule and that you're supreme over all. And Lord, we come to you now. And God, we want to lift up these many prayer requests. There are so many that have cancer that are going through treatments. Uh, Lord, we have some young people on here that are dealing with things that uh, Lord, it's hard for us to imagine and the heartache that their parents must, must be feeling. And God, we just pray that you would comfort them. We pray, Lord, for healing, that you would see them through their trials. We pray, God, that your hand be upon each and every single one of these situations. And uh, Lord, when it's all said and done, that all of these people would, would say that this was by the hand of God. And Lord, we uh, want to ask that you would watch over our local church. Uh, God, that you would protect the families of our church, that you would guide us in all that we do. And, Lord, that you would be glorified on, in, in the county where we're situated. And, uh, Lord, that we would be a shining light here for you. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to continue through uh, the book of Joshua. And, um, well, if I'm just going to be real honest with you, I don't really know how to preach on this. <laughs> so we're going to take the whole chapter, and uh, we're going to talk about it from a very broad perspective. And as we have been going through Joshua... Uh, we've been looking at this second generation, and remember that their parents uh, did not uh, obey God, and so they have their opportunity to cross Jordan, and we saw the miraculous episode of uh, the Jordan being stopped by the very power of God and being held up in a heap, and uh, today we're going to pick up in Joshua chapter 4, and we're going to read the whole chapter, and I know I don't usually do that, but I timed it earlier, and you can read the whole chapter in about three and a half minutes. And so we're just going to read all of Joshua chapter 4. And this is the 12 memorial stones from the Jordan. And uh, it it picks up as Israel has crossed over the Jordan that God has supernaturally, um, I want to say damned up, but he just stopped it with his own power. There was no rock slide. I don't care what the secularists say. Um, But let's begin reading in Joshua 4 verse 1. And it says, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each each tribe, And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark, excuse me, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, 
in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell all the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste, and when all the people had finished passing over, the Ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over, passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. The Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Very, very interesting passage here, and you can see that it's about setting up memorials. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Because we covered so much, I want to uh, well, confess to you what I'm not going to cover. And namely, um, I'm not going to cover this little bit about uh, the cattlemen. It says that there were 40,000 of them. And I'll just remind you that um, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, they had found their piece of the promised land while still on the other side. And they said that if, they, if God would grant them that as their inheritance, that they would still go out and fight for Israel. And so they had made that promise to Moses, and they, they kept that promise. And it says here that just from those tribes, about 40,000 were ready for war to go out before Israel. And uh, we talked about that and about how even though they sort of had it made, that they were still going to battle with their brothers and sisters in Christ, if I can put it in modern terms. And so they did not leave them behind, did not leave them destitute. And I'm also not going to talk a whole lot about Joshua being exalted or accepted as Moses was. Um, that's mentioned in there. I think it preaches. I'm just not going to cover it. I want to focus on the idea of the memorial stones. And in this passage, when, when Christians think of it, they think of the memorial stones. There's a lot that we can get from this passage, but there's a lot that we don't know. The first thing I do want to point out is something that we can know. And by the way, I'm going to dabble in conjecture a little bit tonight. Those of you that don't like that, you can file your complaint with my wife. Or, no, I'm just kidding. But 
Um, I think there's some interesting things in here, and I just want to bring up a few points as we go through them. But first and foremost, the part that we can know, that we, that we do know, is that this memorial was God-ordained. It was God-designed, and it was for God's purposes. And interestingly, memorials, well, the very first memorial that we know about is, is God's. And uh, in fact, I wonder if you sit there and think to yourself, what is the first memorial that you can think of? Well, maybe we should talk about what a memorial is. It comes from the same word as memory. It's something, it's, it should bring up the memory of something. In fact, uh, right before church, I was asking Mary about the little tags on the pews here and the stained glass windows. And if you look, this window over here says, I can't read it from that far, but it says in love and memory of somebody. It's a memorial. But somebody bought that window for the church. Somebody bought these pews for the church. And uh, by the way, this can be contentious for some people. Um, and by the way, if something were to happen to this pew, if it were to break, for example, there would be a discussion in the church and somebody would look at the nameplate on it and say, well, we need to put this nameplate on the replacement pew. Or if you plant a tree out there in memory of somebody that has passed away and then the church needs a parking lot or the church needs to cut that tree down, these can be very contentious. But memorials in and of themselves, I'm going to suggest, are a very good thing. And God here has instituted this memorial. And first and foremost, I want you to know that they are for memory. I wonder when you think of the Bible, what would be the first memorial that you think of that's in the Bible? Some of you might would think it's the rainbow. The rainbow is certainly an early memorial. And uh, in fact, if you, if you read about the rainbow, you'll read something kind of interesting. You'll read, now look, I'm not suggesting that God forgets anything. God cannot forget anything. That's not part of our theology here. But he says that when he sees the rainbow, he will remember. And so when we think of memorials, it's not, again, that God can forget. But the point is, when we see the rainbow, we should know that God also knows that we're seeing the rainbow and that he remembers his covenant, that he will never destroy the earth, and all of its inhabitants with water again. But there are early, earlier memorials than that. And I'm going to tell you one that's very real for me, and it's, it's thorns. Do you know in Genesis chapter 3, there's the curse. And God tells Adam, he said, Cursed is the ground for your sake. It shall bring forth both thistles and thorns, and you shall work it, and only by the sweat of your brow shall you eat from it. And I'm reminded of this every time I walk through thorns, which is fairly regular. And these thorns serve as a memorial. And so God sets up memorials. And if you look at the calendar year for Israel, you will see that, and I, I don't know how we think about the calendar. Um, you know, people fight about what calendar we should have and that sort of thing. But Israel's calendar was marked by feast days or holy days. And that's how they think about in fact, when you think about the month of December, what do you think about? You probably think about Christmas. It's probably the first thing. That's a holy day. That's a memorial day. It's a day that we set apart um, to remember. Um, so all of the feasts are memorials. And when we consider, let, let me give you another one. I like this one. This is a memorial from Isaiah. This is from Isaiah 49:16. And again, not that God forgets anything, but this is what the inerrant scriptures say in Isaiah 49, 16, Behold, 
I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. In the Old Testament, 700 years before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, God declares, I have engraved you. In other words, you who are in Christ are engraved, imprinted on the very hands of the Lord. And this is a memorial, and I read Spurgeon's commentary on it, and uh, he reminds the believer that so long as Christ is alive, and I hope that you know that he's alive forevermore, so long as he is alive that you will be remembered in the very prince on his hand. That no matter how far you go in your most lost day when you drift from Christ or if you find yourself in a faraway land from anything that you know, that you will still know that you are Christ, that, that you are his, that you are kept close, and that you are remembered by him. Um, in fact, when I read that, that reminded me, and I believe this is true, I think it's Casting Crowns that sings the song, um, and it says that the only scars in heaven, they won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken, and all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now, even as the tears fall down, is that the only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now. And so the, they capture this idea that when all things are made new, that there is a memorial that's been kept by our Savior, and that is his scars. And I hope that you... No, in the New Testament, when we see the Lord resurrected in resurrection power, when he could appear or walk through walls or do whatever he wanted, that he had retained these scars that he invited Thomas to look at, and that these are a memorial for us, a memorial for you and me. And so I think that memorials can be very important, and um, I want to tell you a few things that a memorial is not, because this is where we mess up. In fact... This memorial of 12 stones, people messed it up. But that doesn't mean that the memorial's bad. It means that people are bad. A memorial is not religion itself. It cannot be. It is a reminder. Um, does it say something on the front of this table right here? In remembrance of me. It's a memorial. When we come to the Lord's table, we do it to remember what he has done for us. Now, some people, some entire groups have a false belief system about coming to the Lord's table. In fact, it is a Baptist distinctive, or I should say maybe a, a, a Protestant distinctive. I think it's shared amongst all Protestants. Actually, I'm not sure that's true, but it, it is a Baptist distinctive. It's, it's something that's done in a memorial view. There's no real saving power in the Lord's Supper. The saving power is in faith, in Christ, at Calvary, and that he is resurrected, and knowing that, and knowing the Lord. Um, if you put the wrong emphasis on the Lord's table, here's another memorial, the baptistry. There is no saving power in water alone. The water is a picture. It is, it is literally a memorial service. In fact, we say memorial service when somebody dies, but do you know that a baptism is to show a death? It is a sign of death and resurrection and newness of life. But the water can't save. It's just a memorial. So a memorial itself is not religion. And in fact, a memorial... 
We've got a cross. You can't see it. It's up there behind the baptistry. That's a memorial. It reminds us of Calvary. Some uh, people in here, I have no doubt, are wearing a cross right now. And it's a memorial. But the cross itself does nothing. A little replica of a cross does nothing. And sometimes these things can be corrupted. Some people believe that if you get baptized, you are saved. Entire denominations believe if you get baptized, you're saved. Regardless of what you believe, regardless of your faith, got baptized when I was a baby, I'm saved. Bible never teaches it, and this is a false view of something that is memorial. And in particular, I want to talk about this memorial of the 12 stones. And uh, I thought this was the case, and I looked it up, and it says that the use of a 12-stone monument became a form of marking a spectacular event, but that King Josiah had to abolish the practice because some people attached religious significance to the stones themselves resembling idolatry. Now look, was there anything wrong with the 12 stones? No. And Israelites, in fact, did you notice in the passage here, God said, Joshua, you tell them, by the way, can you imagine being these guys? They have just walked through the Jordan. There's no water in it. They had seen water in it. It got stopped up way upstream. They walked through on dry ground. They get over there. And then Joshua's like, go back out there. <laughs> in fact, sends them all the way across to the other side. Because remember, he, they're getting it from the feet of the priests who are bearing the ark. And how much water did they walk in? Enough to cover their feet. So they're in the flood stage on the other side. And then they pick up these rocks. And it doesn't say how big they are, but it says that they carried them on their shoulders. And so I imagine that these were very big rocks. And they trudge them across. And something that you don't get until you look at a map... They carried them about six miles to the place where they encamped at Gilgal. And so this practice became something where, and by the way, I'm sure that the next person that did it, well, the first person was Joshua, because it says that and Joshua, they did that. They did what they were commanded to do. And then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they're there to this day, that is, to the, at the day that this was written. Why Joshua would do that, I, I don't know. Now, I will tell you that there are some, uh, well, I believe it's uh, Spurgeon again. I believe he is the one that says that is like a picture of baptism. That is, these lively stones, if I can use that language, were lifted up out of the waters of the Jordan. So must the dead man be deposited back. And so they would have been left on the other side again as a memorial. But it looks to me like he just took it upon himself to do that. That's not part of the command from God. And so God said, get 12 stones and bring them to where you camp. And Joshua said, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to put 12 stones over there. And then later, other people would say, God did a great thing here in this place. Who knows? God protected my family supernaturally and set up 12 stones. By the way, here's, I told you I'd dabble in conjecture a little bit. I don't know what those stones looked like. I don't know what stones, I know what river stones look like, generally speaking. And I gather that these were big because they're carried on shoulders. And it says that there is one from each of the chief men of the tribes, 12 stones. And I couldn't help but think they're arranged in some way such that they catch people's eye. Because if they just went and scattered a bunch of rocks about, well, that's what that part of the world looks like. It's a big rocky mess. But they were situated in such a way that their children would say, what do these stones mean? 
and then they would answer them. And I'm going to I'm not making any doctrine out of this, but I'm going to propose to you that they were in the shape of a cross. And I'm going to get that from Numbers chapter 2. And we don't have time for this tonight, but if you go read Numbers chapter 2, and it tells how Israel camps by tribe. And you realize that it tells some of them camped on the east and the west and the north and the south. And then you measure the numbers of the people. And you realize that when it said east to the Jew, that meant east. It didn't mean southeast, it meant east. And so when they camped, they were centered around Levi, and they would have been in cardinal directions. And that if you measure them, it makes the shape of a cross. Now, I cannot prove that to, that to you. Uh, for that to be the case here, one of the stones would have had to been a little longer. But I happen to believe that was probably the case. And so that even back then, there would be little Israelites that would come along and see stones in the shape of a cross. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe they just stacked them up somehow. I don't know. Again, not making any doctrine out of it. But it was some type of memorial that was made to ask questions. But uh, the idea that people would misuse a memorial shouldn't be a surprise. Do you know that on the other side of Jordan, when the people complained and God had Moses put a brazen serpent on a pole and said that whoever looks on that brazen serpent that they would be healed... And that Jesus spoke about this serpent emblematically of himself. Even as the serpent was lifted up, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And what he was saying, those that will but look upon me will be saved. But where was that brazen serpent? Does anybody know? Another king, Hezekiah this time, down the line, he had it destroyed because people were worshiping it. Now look, same thing. A good memorial... It would have been a wonderful artifact for Israel to have to this day to say, remember the time that God did this wonderful thing for us in the wilderness. But people, because we are idolatrous in our hearts, begin to worship it, and so it had to be destroyed. And that's not the only thing that's like that. Um, you know, in the days of Gideon, uh, when they had their great victory, he, he said uh, they all had they'd plundered uh, their enemies, and they had the golden nose rings. And he said, I want everybody to give me a golden nose ring. And so they threw their gold rings in there, and he made an ephod out of it. And guess what? My Bible says that they set the ephod up, and the people went whoring after it, even Gideon and his family. Now look, God gave the victory, and somehow they make an idol out of it. Same thing for the golden calf. Um, this is the nature of people. And you know why that is? Because the problem is not with memorials. The problem is with people. It's people that are sinful. Memorials can be good. And you might be sitting there saying, well, we're Baptists. We don't do anything like that. Well, do we have traditions that can become idolatry? Yes, we do. In fact, I just talked to somebody the other day. And um, it was a fella that was giving up the fight with cancer. Um, it was like a no-win situation. And I said, well, as long as he knows the Lord, then he goes on to glory, and, there, and, and he's going to a better place. And do you know what this fellow said? He said, well, he went to church all his life. Church attendance won't save you. Now, look, it's a good piece of evidence. But some people do go to church their whole lives, and they do not have saving faith. Um, the point is, we can get caught up in tradition. Uh, now, the Roman Catholics, they're famous for some of them. You've probably heard of the Shroud of Turin, which... I think it's probably a, a, a fake anyway. It looks too much like somebody painted the face on there. But um, there are people that have little pieces of wood. And the, these are 
I imagine, almost priceless. And they'll say these are pieces of the cross that Jesus was crucified on. There's the veil of Mary that is one of these relics. Oh, here's another famous one, the Spear of Destiny. Um, what's the other name for it? You, the, this is the lance that supposedly killed Jesus. And there's at least three of them out there. So at least two of them are wrong. Probably all three of them are. Um, but anyway, the point is that these relics, and I'm just being honest with you, people worship these things. And some people would say, oh, no, we don't worship them. It's just part of you know, our religious practice. People have prayed over the chains of Paul, and who knows whether they're right. Uh, some believe that they've still got the head of John the Baptist in a box. And the idea, by the way, of praying to Mary and using a rosary bead to do it, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that these people are all lost, but that is a gross act of idolatry, and it is a shame for any Christian to even admit to doing such a thing. It is an abomination, whether it's finger bones, Pieces of something that Peter... This is all nonsense. Memorials are okay. But Baptists trust in... Some Baptists trust in the Bible. And I don't mean they trust the Bible, that they believe in it. They think that they can own one and it has some sort of magic power. And don't tell me I'm wrong because I've heard people do this. These are the... Uh, put it in the dash of the truck and drive around type Baptists, right? Um, by the way, y'all do know it's a book, Right? Books were made for reading, um, not for being kept warm in the dash of your truck. I've seen some Baptist church trust in attendance or baptism or membership. Now, what are we going to do? Are we going to say, well, can't have people using the Bible wrong, get rid of the Bible? Well, of course not. We're not going to get rid of baptism. We're not going to get rid of the Lord's table. But just realize that a good thing can be made a bad thing anytime you get the human heart involved. Let me mention a couple other memorials here that we find in the Bible before I finish my rambling on memorials. This uh, tradition, by the way, we find again in Joshua chapter 24. It says that he wrote the words of the book of the law and he set up a large stone under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Now this is a memorial stone. That should be familiar language. We've got a whole yard full of memorial stones out here. That's another one, by the way. Nothing wrong with a headstone. Nothing wrong with visiting one. But when you start talking to dead people, now you've done something that the Bible says don't do. So it's okay to have memorials. Our cemeteries are filled with them. Here's the, uh, here's the rainbow language. This is what the Lord says about the rainbow. He says, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth, I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and every living creature that is with you for all generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring the clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember. That's God speaking. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. I won't read the rest of it, but the point is that memorials are something that are God's idea. Um, I'm going to tell you another thing that I believe can be a memorial um, 
And this is tough for some people. Personal sickness. And the thing that made me think of this, there are many people, by the way, that have a chronic illness, something that maybe the doctor told them, you're going to have this as long as you live. You're never going to get over this. And nobody wants to hear that. Many people have heard that. And when you think about any kind of chronic condition, and by the way, if you enjoyed perfect health, this is devastating. You've never worried about health, and now this will never leave you. Now, sometimes it's back pain. Sometimes it's a skin disease. Sometimes it is a chronic, debilitating illness. And you know, Paul spoke of that in a very specific way. He referred to it as a thorn in his flesh. And when he speaks about the thorn in his flesh, he says, A thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Let me point out here that Paul's saying, this is something that the devil put on me, but then he says, it's so that I'm not exalted above measure. So ultimately, he realized that even if Satan himself delivered it, whatever it was, that it was ultimately from God. And he says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, listen to this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Now, I don't know what this was, but I am convinced that this was a physical infirmity. I have wondered if it was from when Paul was stoned. And it's not like somebody hit him with a rock. He was stoned so bad they thought they killed him and they left him for dead. And we know that he had some sort of problem with his vision. And I wonder if he had chronic headaches or some disfigurement to his face. But, but he was in constant pain, this thorn in his flesh. And every time he had an episode or every time it was unbearable, where did he go? To Christ. And people that live with chronic pain, if they are Christ's and they live with something every day, they go to Christ every day. They can't not because they need him. Now, if they're lost, they don't know Christ, they'll go everywhere else. But for the Christian, even infirmities drive us as memorials to Jesus Christ. In the book of Samuel, uh, he sets up a stone and he names it Ebenezer, which literally means God has helped us, a reminder that God has delivered us. Um, one of the great memorials of the Bible is the Passover itself. Do you think that the death angel knew who he was passing over and who he was not? Of course he did. But that blood that was struck on the lintel and the doorposts, it would re remind Israel that they would not experience the wrath of God, but that they would be passed over, being covered by the blood of the Lamb. And this Lord's table that we observe, when we come to the Lord's table... It is a continuation of the Passover. Jesus said, with desire, I have desired to have this Passover. It is a memorial. Our holy days are memorial. Now, look, the Bible doesn't say anything about Christmas Day as a holiday on December 25th. It doesn't. It doesn't say anything about celebrating Easter. In fact, I don't even know how we set Easter. It floats around. It doesn't say anything about that. But are they good? Yeah, they're good. They're holy days. And, but it's not... The problems that we have with Christmas, and there are some, 
And the problems that we have with Easter, and there are some, they're not problems with Christmas or Easter. In, in fact, they're not even problems with Christmas trees or Christmas lights. I asked my kids as I thought about this, I said, I'm going to do an experiment. And I went to Naomi. I said, I'm going to say a word. You say the first thing that comes to your mind. I said, Christmas. She said, birth of Jesus. I said, all right, Easter. And she said that Christ died and rose. Perfect answer. Six years old, textbook answer. I went to Joe. And I said, Joe Hannon, I'm going to say a word. You say the first thing that comes to your mind. Christmas tree. Now look, there's a tree. I thought he would say presents. But the point is, look, both of my kids are raised in the same house with the same parents, with the same teaching, but they have set their hearts on different things. Now, y'all can pray that Joe's heart changes. I, I would covet that prayer. And I asked him again. I said, Easter. You know what he said? Bunny. That's the wrong answer. That's a, that's a sort of a secular answer. Now, is there anything wrong with the Easter bunny? No. But if it's a distraction, then it can be a problem. But as far as having memorial holidays, absolutely not. I think that they are a good thing. And I think that we should use them at every opportunity uh, to remind. By the way, memorials do two things. They make us remember and they make us proclaim. The kids of Israel, they would say, what do these stones mean? And then he said, and you will tell them. And guess what? You don't tell them about you and how great you are. You tell them how great your God is. In fact, the Bible says, so that all the people of the earth, not just Israel, but even a bunch of white people in 2024 in Mount Gilead, North Carolina, all the people of the earth may know that the hand of, of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. You know, there are so many memorials, headstones and statues, and pews and windows and trees, and they're not bad. Now, people can fight over them. If you don't believe me, keep hanging around here. We'll have one someday. We'll get over it. But memorials, I really do believe, can be a good thing. But I'm going to suggest to you that the really good memorials all point to God. They remind us of Christ our Savior and what he has done for us. You know, it's just 12 rocks, 12 stones. But they let people brag on the power of an almighty God. Those are the kind of memorials that Israel had. And I'm going to suggest to you, they should be the kind of memorials that we have. You ought to have memorials in your family. In fact, you know, the Jewish people, they have personal holidays, if I can put it that way, bar mitzvahs. Do you know what happens on a bar mitzvah? A boy becomes a man. Now, we don't have to celebrate bar mitzvah. We're not Jews. But I think we ought to celebrate when our children reach adulthood. When a boy would turn, I think it's 13 or 14, the bar mitzvah would say, you're now a man. Your daddy's not responsible for what you, what you do. You are. That ought to be carried on because I'm telling you, we've got 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds. They're still completely and totally dependent on mom and daddy. Your kid ought to get, I hope that when your son reaches a certain age, you have some type of memorial that he can remember. 16, that's a kind of a, that's our bar mitzvah in America. You get your driver's license. We can do a little better than that, can't we? You know, one of the memorials that we do in this church, they are Bibles. Now, I told you that Bibles are for reading. But everybody that gets baptized in this church while I'm here, they're going to get a Bible to remember their baptism. It's going to have a note in it. 
and it's going to have a date on it, um, and it's going to be sent with a prayer. It is a memorial. It's something for them to remember that most important event by. Not most important, but very important. Um, so we too should set up memorials in our lives. I'm going to tell you real quickly, and then I'll hush. Well, if you, go, if you come into my house, you can look around and you can see what we believe in. We've got the Ten Commandments on our wall. That's a memorial. And we sometimes, we use them to remind our kids why we do things a certain way. Sometimes they're good reminders for us too. I also have on the wall of my living room, the wall of Joe's room, the wall of the girl's room, and the wall of my room, wooden crosses. Now these wooden crosses were given to me. In fact, there's one made by the same man somewhere in this church. There's a man at another local church that I can't think of right off. It's out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Some of you know what I'm talking about. This guy makes wooden crosses and gives them to people. And these are memorials that this guy makes, and they're in houses all over Montgomery County and some in surrounding counties, and they're in people's houses to remind them of what Jesus Christ did for them. Not a very good memorial to the fellow that made it. I can't call his name right now. But these are memorials. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Fine memorial. I hope that someday after I leave here, and people will say that about him. They'll say, oh, these are the crosses that Mr. Dunlap made. And uh, they'll remember when they got theirs. I remember when I got mine. And I remember that he gave us different sizes. And he said, you'll have more children someday. And this is for their room. And he was right. And we did. Have memorials in your own life. Not high places. Uh, don't, make, don't make them into bad things as Israel often did. But let them be something that points to God. Not just as creator, but as savior. And remember, in fact, let me go read something about uh, a memorial that was instituted by Jesus Christ himself so that you can remember. When he instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's to bring to memory what Christ had done. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is of the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So memorials are for remembering, but he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So memorials are for remembering and for proclaiming. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this story about Israel. And uh, Lord, we pray that in the lives of all the families of this church, that we would have many moments that are 12 stone opportunities, that are memorials in our lives, that remind us of a time when you did something for us, when you moved in a mighty way. Uh, Lord, for every person that is saved, we can recall of that time when you so moved in us, that the scales dropped from our eyes, that our spirits were born again. And God, we we thank you for that. We ask that you help us to live lives that are also memorials to you. We ask, God, that as we raise young people, Lord, that it is a great privilege to have uh, children in our households. We pray, God, that they would be the, those that remember us as people that remember you. We pray, God, that at every opportunity we would, we would seize the moment when we get to tell someone 
what you mean to us, that we would share the gospel, that we would brag on King Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you would use our church to draw many to yourself. We ask God that as we live our lives that are often so busy and so messy, that you would give us open eyes to see the beautiful, to see the good things that you do for us, that we would be able to count our blessings, share a smile, and God, that you would continually lift us, lift us up, reminding us that you are totally sovereign and that we are in your hands and that you are all good. Lord, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.